that night carved the path to today because literally everything that we thought was TV that could be fake happened to us that night. That night. That night. That night. That night. That night. From the dawn of the spoken word, storytelling has been the backbone of human culture, warning of looming dangers and evoking our most personal fears. What you're about to hear are the real-life experiences of everyday people, brave enough to share their terrifying tales. Tales where the horror hits close to home. I'm your host, Danny. Welcome to the Hometown Horrors Podcast. Listen, if you dare. Howdy, folks. We are the Hometown Horrors Podcast, and I'm excited to announce the next series of episodes will feature a crew of bona fide paranormal investigators. The good dudes at Project Paranormal were kind enough to come on the show, share the history of their team, and expand on some of their most horrifying experiences. And I've got to be honest, folks, I flip-flop in my belief in the supernatural all the time. But after hearing these stories, I know for a fact that if you stare into the abyss long enough, it'll start staring back at you. So without any further ado, let's meet the members of Project Paranormal. So I'm uh, Matt Rice. I guess you would say I'm the founder. I am Matt Bullard, co-founder. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Travis, uh, camera guy. Yeah, co-founder, camera guy. Co-founder, camera guy. Brigadier. Pack mule. Pack mule. Yeah, that's more appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the wheelchair? We got to push you around. For real. All right, guys. So I think like a good place to start would just be uh, what made you guys want to form Project Paranormal? We were chilling at a river called Kelly's Ford in our area. Had a couple friends around a a small campfire telling spooky stories. And, uh, you know, we were hearing cricks and creaks in the woods behind us and getting that vibe. And one of our friends, Darren, was like, hey, I had an experience at this place. So we just decided on a whim to pack up at like three, four o'clock in the morning to (laughs) drive to Fairfax. And um, just go see this spot that he had talked about. You know, we went inside. It was being renovated at the time. They We, we got a little spooky vibe and it just kind of ticked off an interest. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know what? This is kind of cool. And then after that, I mean, it just kind of snowballed into what yeah. we got going on today. So it used to be called Virginia Paranormal Research Society. And originally it was me Matt Bullard, Travis, and Clayton. We all grew up together, right? So, like, we added a couple of people to the group that we all didn't know. Kind of outsiders. And um, things just kind of happened. People went their separate ways. But, you know, I watched the TV shows, and I'm like, I want to see if this stuff is real. Before we actually went and did something, we had a couple of experiences here and there, right? But there was one night in particular. It was me, Matt Bullard, his girlfriend, and Clayton in the room. And I was like, oh, we're, we're going to play the Ouija board tonight. And they're like, no, nah, we're not really feeling it. And I'm like, well, I'm going to make it. And we're going to play it. <laughs> <laughs> and so him and his girlfriend at the time, they were arguing and they had stepped out of the room. And Clayton's like 19, 20, 15, 16. Does that mean anything to you? And mind you, Clayton's like weird. That coming out of his mouth was not really strange. And I just kind of blew it off. I'm like, whatever, you know. And he's like, high school, ID lunch ID, address, phone number, just trying to figure it out. And he's not letting it go. It hunched over on the opposite side of the futon. And so I'm like, what if I spell it out in the alphabet? So I go 19. S. <clears throat> then I continue on and it doesn't spell anything. So I'm like, what if I go to A, do 19, go back, do 20, and so on and so forth. And it spells out stop. So immediately I'm like, what the fuck? 
you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking he's messing with me. That's something that he would do. But he's like, there's 24 letters in the alphabet, right? And I'm like, no, there's 26, bro. Kind of hard to be intricately planning a cipher. But still, <laughs> but still, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's not out of the norm for Clayton. And so like he had this um, dresser and a lamp on it. And I swear on everything, the lamp flickered. And when that lamp flickered is when me and Clay were like, fuck this. And we went out to get you and Crystal. And they're still arguing outside. I'm like, dude, shit's going down, man. The Ouija board spelled stop. I'm not even I'm not even worried about what he's saying. Yeah, he's like, like yeah. I'm in my own thing. And he's coming out to me like I'm doing something right, right now. And he's like, bro, seriously, like I'm like, nah, dude, like it's going down. And so me and Clayton, everybody, we end up going back into the room. I'm not letting this go. Right. So I'm like trying to figure this out. Right. I got some numbers. I was like, Bullard, how many letters are in your name? And I shit you not. Matt Bullard's first, middle and last name. 19 characters. Clayton's is 20, mine is 15, and Crystal's is 16. Y'all were getting called out. I didn't know his middle name. Clayton's middle name is Clayton. His first name is William. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nobody, uh, knew nobody knew that. that Chris, I, you nobody know. knows Crystal's middle name. Nobody. Like, we literally wrote it on his wall. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? And it was 19, 20, 15, 16. And I was like, man, that's just a coincidence. No. You know? no. That's just a coincidence. 19, 20, 15, you know? 16 spells out stop on the Ouija board. All four of our our names equal out to those numbers. So, of course, I'm not letting it go, right? I'm on a path. So I type it in on Google, 19, 20, 15, 16. It popped up with verses 19 and 20, pages 15 and 16 in the book of Revelations. It talks about the Antichrist and people stopping him. And that's about as far as I got with it, right? Yeah, we were too spooked at that point. You'd want to jump off ship at that point. But like, look, probably four months ago, I typed it in on Google, the coordinates. It is actually just outside of Jerusalem. Oh, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's extremely bizarre that like anywhere that it could be, that's where it is. And like, you can't even like type in like, give me directions because it's literally in the middle of a desert. There's no road. Middle of the desert. But if I run the Powerball, we are becoming like Indiana Jones immediately. We're going there. Yeah. We're digging like- Cause it's just weird, bro. Like yeah. synchronicity. Well, think of the things you encountered exactly. just pursuing that line of logic. Antichrist, Jerusalem. It's just kind of bizarre. And like still to this day, he swears on everything. Yeah. That, that he, he did swears. not make it up or anything like that. He says it just because like he could have made the coincidence of, oh, there's 24 letters in the alphabet. No, there's 26. And he could have actually done that, but not everybody's name. Like that's yeah. way too much, yeah. right? That's too much detail. That's yeah. where the synchronicity, like Travis said, comes in. And at the time, I didn't know what synchronicities were. I thought they were Pure. just coincidences. Yep. You yeah. know what I mean? But no. you cross you cross that veil of coincidence to synchronicity when multiple things just keep happening and they're all related. Yeah. Out of infinite possibilities, the things that do end up happening. Right. And you're like, what the hell? What are and the so odds? from that point forward, I was like, I want to see if this stuff is real. So we book a trip to Trans-Allegheny, to Trans-Allegheny. Asylum in Weston, West Virginia. It was the four of us, me, Bullard, Travis, and Clayton. And uh, the way they have it set up there is it's 40 people, four floors, four groups of 10. That night carved the path to today because literally everything that we thought was TV that could be fake happened to us that night. Literally. We got the craziest shit. I mean, those two together heard children crying. Me and Clayton caught EVPs of a woman in solitary confinement. Me and Bullard were walking down a hallway and had a door open up on us. Like you hear the creak and then the footsteps chasing after us down the hall. Exactly. (sighs) There's a nurse who lived in the building. She was basically like a caretaker. 
She was employed by the hospital. She was raised by the hospital. Well, yeah, she, she was, was born in that place. She mistreated a lot of people. Long story. Did she trying to do like a guardian angel thing and like kill patients at the end of their lives? Like, no, no, she, she was, was abusive. Just like, she was just abusive and she was very she was abusive, mean. neglectful. Basically like the worst case scenario you could have for like a nurse. Yeah. And you got to think, this is a lunatic asylum. So there were a lot of mentally handicapped people and just her frustration of that. Having, having yeah, to deal yeah. with that. So it might not even have been that like she was crazy. It's just no, she wasn't crazy at all. upon action. She was just a, just, uh, just a bitch. Like, yeah, yeah you <laughs> literally lose your ability to see them as people. And, and so she's on the top floor, the fourth floor. And um, and I was provoking, calling her all of the worst things you could possibly the C do. Word, the B word. The yeah. C word, the B word. Really trying to spit in the eye. Of, yeah. 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 I really think like, I, I, this is uh, this is horrible to think about and conceptualize, but I really do think like people, like let's say uh, you live a normal life. You lived 60, 70 years old and you develop Alzheimer's. I think when you die, you go with the Alzheimer's. That's, uh, I don't know why yeah, but, but I you, come but to you, that conclusion. But you got to think about it in the sense of you, you, you don't have Down syndrome, right? Or you don't have dementia or Alzheimer's or anything like that. So you don't know what it's necessarily like to have that mindset. But think about it in the sense of like somebody who has autism or Down syndrome who, when they're verbalizing with other people, you see the frustration, right? Yeah. Because it's like yeah, in their sure. mind, they know what they want to say, what they want to do. Yeah. So it's like when you pass the things that are holding you back and hindering you in normal interactions in life, when you die, you go back to your pure mind. You see what I'm saying? I would hope so. That would be ideal. That would be ideal. When you, you see someone in a movie after they come back, Anakin isn't Vader when he returns as the Force goes. He's his idealized, perfect self. Exactly. exactly. That's how I look at it. But anyways. But that's a horrifying concept. The energy that you leave when you die. Yeah. At the moment you die. I really... Oh, for sure. I, unfortunately, like, that's just where my mind is with that whole um, crossing over realm. So, so I, I was provoking like crazy to this nurse, uh, caretaker, whatever she was on the fourth floor. Like if you're so um, big and bad, do something. Yeah. That kind like, of stuff. You know, all four of us were walking in a straight line down the middle of the hallway. I should you not. Mind you, this is an insane asylum and it's an old insane asylum. So the doors, this is the largest thick. handmade 252,000 square feet. Okay. So this building's fucking huge. So the way it, it is, they have two football field long corridors that are connected by a small hallway. So they're parallel corridors. Yep. Now, mind you, this is hours after we tried to provoke her on the fourth floor. Her door was like smack dab smack in the middle, dab in the middle yeah. but it was just us two provoking. And then at some point we met up before we right. left. We were right. like, we're going to give the pass through one before we go down. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it's not like we were provoking and then this immediately happened. I yes. just wanted to let everybody know yes, that. Yes, yes. There's the a context. time frame. There was a, there was a gap in time. So after the provoking, uh, we were all walking parallel with each other down the middle of the hallway. And as soon as we crossed the threshold of this woman's room, her door, which mind you is a solid steel door, every bit of 300 plus pounds mm -hmm. slammed shut. Like the hardest I've ever heard a like door you slam. Could feel, you felt it, bro. You could feel the door slamming. Yeah, because that rocks the structure. It fucking slammed It scared with us force. so bad that like nobody moved. Like we all petrified. just jumped and like petrified. we're petrified. Like you, what the f just happened? Unfortunately, we didn't get it on camera, but you, 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 hear you, you could hear it. I didn't find out until after we were done. We went to Sheets to get food and stuff like that. And Clayton was like, hey, come here. And he lifts up his shirt sleeve and he's got 10, 10 or 11 scratches like on his shoulder. And they all went like different directions. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me in that moment? And he was like, 
because I didn't want to freak anybody out. And I'm like, you could have been in danger. And he was actually the last one at the line when we passed her door. And he said that's when it happened. And he said that he showed Travis, but he just didn't want to tell anybody else. So let's try to contextualize that. Was that grab and scrape? Or I'm not sure. It literally looked like if you took like like barbed wire. Or yeah, tie it looked wire. like he brushed, walked through like a cornfield and got yeah. scratched up real good. And I actually have a photo of us on the way up there. There's nothing. Nothing. Nothing there. Nothing. nothing. So it happened that night. But that event right there is what skyrocketed us. It was just that whole experience. Well, the yeah, whole that whole night. experience is what really the set key. me on the path to like want to continue to pursue this and see more stuff and figure out what the hell was actually going on and that was 2013 so let's go to the key now the key fucked me up yeah i i cannot explain it none of us can explain it well, it's the 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 most i don't, I don't even know what words i'll, to put I'll, to I'll set up since i was i was there Travis yeah. always gets put in a wheelchair uh, yeah so, well this was our first our first thing right and they, and they told us during the the tour yeah use what you want like if you see a wheelchair sit yeah, in it use it it might provoke something yeah so we're like, okay, you know, I have plantar fasciitis, being on my feet for a long time. Yeah, you know, it sucks. It, it sucks. So I'm like, you know what? Wheelchair, second floor. 100%. Um, I'm, not, I'm not even sure. I think it was like the men's ward. And Clay's pushing me. So you guys were going through that walkway from one one uh, yep, corridor to, to the, the other. Out. And we're the first door on the left. You guys were, you know, talking <laughs> bullshit in the back. And, you know, I've got the camera. I'm just chilling in the wheelchair being pushed around as my feet Cross the doorway. Feet enter the room. I can still fucking hear, hear it. Yeah. You hear a metal cling, cling, ting, 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 ting. And I'm like, fuck that <laughs> no, shit. I'm no. out. I was like, and Clay's like trying to back me up as quick as he could to get us out of the room. Cause I was like, I, I did not like that. I did not like that. And me and Boyd are like, what, what, what happened? Yeah. You, you and you were like, like something I'm, just fell in that room or something. So yeah. I busted out the flashlight. <laughs> I walked into this room and I shit you not geometrically center of this room is a fucking skeleton key. We were told when we did the walkthrough and all that stuff with our tour guide that anything you find in here is original because yeah. there's been so many people that go around here that take yeah. shit and all this yeah. stuff. Like yeah. there shouldn't be anything in here. There that should you be find. nothing. I walked in there and I picked this key up and I looked around and I was like, where the fuck where did this come, come I looked from? up, I looked to the ceiling, I looked everywhere. And then there was a window in the room. Yeah. I walked over to the window and I am, I kid you, I kid you not, I can't make this up. There was a dusty key ring that fit that key perfectly. So I put that key back as perfect as I could put it. I left it. And I was like, this key was obviously here. Somehow it got to the middle of the floor, eight feet away. That's fine. Whatever. Random. We'll leave it as it is. The four of us cross the corridor, go to the other parallel hallway. 40 minutes goes by as we're crossing through this whole corridor. Like I yeah, said, it's about two football fields long. It's huge. huge. And the room that we were in was where the most brutalist murder happened. An inmate there was rooming with another one, I think is what it was. I could be and wrong. What happened was, is this, the, the guy that killed this guy was psycho. And he ended up beating the shit out of this dude. And when he was pretty much, you know, lifeless, he put his head underneath of the bedpost, yeah. got on top of the bed and started jumping on the bed. Yeah. Oh, God. I was the last one through the door and I was just standing in the middle of the doorway. Um, we're doing whatever we're doing. And then Clayton pretty much just interrupts what we're doing. And he's like, yo, what did you do with that key? And I was like, I left it in the room. What do you, what do you mean? He's like, look down. Right in the middle of my fucking feet is the key. 
And I said, ain't hell no, no. Ain't no way. I walked all the way the fuck back by to himself, football fields by, by myself in the dark in the most violent ward of this place. And I walked back to the place where I put the key and the key was fucking gone. Yeah. And then and we, the key God. was fucking gone. And then we went back and we asked our tour guy. We're like, hey, we found this fucking key. Is this real? Like, is this a key to this place? And he's like, if you found it in here, it's real because this place has been scavenged. Like yep. anything you find, it's original. Yep. He's yep. kept the key to this I have day. the key right now. The key is cursed. He's had bad luck, <laughs> bad juju because I don't want to stay. I'm not even kidding, bro. Like, look, I lost my, it used to be on my keys. I carried yeah. around with me all the time, everywhere. I lost my job doing auto body. And then I went to a, a kind of a, a plumbing kind of company and I took the key off the ring because I was like, you know what? This key is fucking with me. I really feel like this key's got some bad juju, bad luck, whatever you want to call oh, it. Because up to this point, it's just a cool object. It was, up to that point, it was just Weird, a cool but object. Cool. But yeah. like my yeah. life was spiraling. Yeah, but at the same time, my life was falling he, the he was, seeing, he was seeing shit at his parents' house. My parents' house. His son would talk about ghosts, not even knowing what ghosts yeah, were. So like, I took the key off. When I moved to this new job, all of my toolboxes and stuff from the old auto body job, they went to my new job. I put that key in that box. Okay. That was probably really loud. So it I'm probably, probably really was. Um, I put that key in one of my toolboxes and I forgot about it. So uh, ever since I put that key in the box, she got better. Our company, actually, no, not necessarily. Yeah, my life has gotten your, better. Your but life got better. Our company <laughs> used to be stupid busy. And, you know, call this a coincidence if you want. When I, when I came here, it was 2019, 2020, right when pandemic started. I put the key in the box. But ever since I put that key into that box at my shop, our work has been the yeah. slowest this has been Trying in up. 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have a plan to donate the key to a um, a museum that has haunted objects. Because yeah, I don't want nothing key, to do with that the key. That key has fucking bad juju. I'm uh, no lie. Like we could take it back. Like, I don't know. We're kind of iffy. Either we're going to take it back or we're going to donate it to um, a haunted place. I but just, I mean, taking it back, you would just be throwing it back into a well of already haunted exactly. stuff. Now exactly. Now you actually have a history and stories to go along with exactly. it, which is more valuable as far yeah, as but like, it ha- Yeah, but it has bad luck. So that's what's, maybe it's better to what just throw it down me well. Yeah. Is how the fuck did it go from that room to the door well? So, like that, it just doesn't make sense to me. And Clayton swears on God that it wasn't him. I was the last one out of the room. I I was the last one holding the key. So to do my due diligence and play skeptic, how do you know there aren't certain places in there that they haven't tampered with just to manufacture something like that? So we were with, there was four of us and there was four other guys in the other group that were on the same floor at the same time that we were. That night, we never ran into them once. Not once. Not once. They were very professional. They were just like us. They had the same goals we did. We were coming there for for. So like if we were on one side of the board, they would have been like, hey, my bad. We're going to go over here. So that way you guys can conduct whatever you're Exactly. They didn't want contamination from us. We didn't want contamination from them. Right. So when we were on that floor where we were, when Bullard put that key there, when we walked over to where we were and Bullard walked back, the key was gone. It was the same key. It was in my hand. So they would have to have like a camera system to know where you guys There's are. There's no electricity. That. There's no electricity. And when and I was when I was physically handling the key, when I put it back on the windowsill, I visually inspected it. You know, I spun it around in my fingertips it's a very, and took like, a look at it. The tip is crooked and angled. It's got the one hole at the end, and okay. then it's got the the it's two yeah, long, yeah, yeah. like two the yeah, exactly at the end. Yeah, exactly. Dude, we never even checked if it locked that door. 
I don't that know. the room that it was in, we don't we don't know. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, this no is idea. like the start of everything. This was brand new, right? Uh, yeah, this was this was brand new to but all like, of us. Like, but like this was so completely. That was your what? first night on the job. Exactly. Yeah. This is the very first time. So to step away from that, years go by, right? Like we went back to Trans Allegheny. We did um, a, again another public thing. We ended up with a very poor group that time. They kept following us around, and and that's when we learned we're like, okay, we need to start doing private events. So we did the West Virginia State Penitentiary. Not so much happened. Years go by, a lot changes, right? Because we never do anything in Virginia because everything in Virginia is historical. Civil War. And they don't allow people to do stuff there. And everywhere we go, people are like, Virginia Paranormal Research Society, why are you here? Because we're in PA, Ohio, you know, whatever. Yeah. New, New York. York. <laughs> right. You don't shit where you eat. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so I'm like... Paranormal is a very broad term. Very and, broad. And, and Absolutely. You've got cryptids, UFOs, demons, ghosts. I didn't want to limit myself. And so we all kind of came up with a bunch of names and then we voted on it. And that's when we came up with Project Paranormal. And a lot of people ask, well, what does Project Paranormal mean? And I'm like, to me, what it means is we're not limited to anything. And it's our project. It's unique to us. I've never been to school for filming or anything like that. And I'm not even going to sit here and say, like, I've got it all figured out or there's no need for improvement. There's always need for improvement, right? But I'm a self-taught filmmaker. Everything that's been put out has been put out through my vision. I've got a certain thing that that I'm trying to do. And I mean, you're the one here putting in the fucking work, man. Yeah. The word project implies that there will always be evolution in what you're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I just didn't want to seem like every other group out there. Every other group out there is literally, yeah, their name is dedicated to their county or their state. And like, I didn't want to do that. Right. So Project Paranormal was born. And then shortly after that is when a couple of people separated. Buller, Travis, Clayton were gone for a couple of years. Yeah, my son was born. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot to take of changes, life happens and stuff like that. That's another good conceit with the name is because you can swap out people as needed. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. You're not always working on a project 24-7. And so I reach out to Bullard and I'm like, hey, this is what I've got going on. He reached out at a perfect time. I was itching, itching because it's addictive. It. It's addictive. It is so addictive. much fun. It's it's not even the fun. It's the fact that you're just like, what is you happening? The, reaching into it's the like, end. It's like you're you reaching go somewhere with expectations, but then you walk out of there and you're like, bro, this is not at all it's what like I thought was going to happen. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, <laughs> it exactly. lives behind the curtain. Exactly. So I reach back out to them. We start filming. We go to a couple of places. I reach out to a network. That's when we get tied to uh, Paraflix. And we have a show on Paraflix, Paranormal Plus. We are exclusive to Paraflix.com. Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> and so... Um, Shouts to Natalie. <laughs> in my mind, it's like, I, I, I want to build this empire, right? Like, yeah, I want to be like the TV shows. People always say like, oh, no, you want to get paid for it and all this stuff. Really? All I want is to be able to do this more frequent for free. That is me getting paid to do it, right? Because it costs a lot of money to do this stuff. I hear you. Like, to do, that's the reason ridiculous. I'm only recording. So <laughs> to, to do the public events, it's not that much money. It's like $100 per person, which, yeah, yeah. that's still a lot of money. If but you go into the private, private realm, you're over $1,000. And when you have a small group like us, it's pretty difficult. It's it's a heavy it's a heavy bullet to bite. So I learned go to the less known places because like Trans Allegheny, for example, there is flashlight tours during the day. Just walk through tours, take pictures, yep. and then they have public, private every yep. day of the week. Yep. The best way for me to explain what paranormal investigating is, because we've had people that have tried to go with us or want to join, and I tell them, do you like fishing? Because it's more boring than fishing. You don't know <laughs> what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. 
and you could pay a lot of money and go somewhere and nothing, nothing happened at all. Yeah. Like and it's, it's frustrating when you go to a place and you're really excited and seven, eight hours into it, you're like, I'm, yeah, I'm asleep. Yeah, and, and then you get burnt out on it. And that's the Very problem, right? Out. And so you got to find something else in it that you enjoy, whether it be the historical side of it, the filming side of it. Because you got to get content out of it at the end of the day. Exactly. Yes. yes. And so we filmed the whole season one, which before we were with Paraflix, we had already started filming for YouTube. And then we went on with Paraflix like three quarters of the way through season one. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm not necessarily so proud of what is on season one because it was put together for YouTube. And it's all fresh. I mean, you're self-taught, dude. You exactly. Know? I mean, I think this first season of my show is going to be pretty rough too compared to... <laughs> but that's everybody. <laughs> that's but, everybody. but that's part of the fun. Yeah, that's part yeah, of the process. I'm my yeah. worst critic, yeah. yeah. But season two, we changed a couple of things and all this stuff. Before we get into more stories... I see the groan pains in your face. Dude, yeah. season Ooh. two is ridiculous, man. Yeah. But before we get into more stories about like season two or what occurred during season one, I'm about to drop exclusive to your podcast, the future of Project Paranormal. So I'm done doing what the TV shows are doing. I'm done talking to somebody's dead grandmother, right? Because I've been doing this for so long and going to all these places, asking the same questions, just putting a different name is such and such grandmother here. Even though you're capturing content, you're still receiving the same. It's a script. Yes, I'm here. Almost. Like, and, and, yeah. it's, and it's like, as much as I preach to people where I'm like, you got to find something else within this that you enjoy because it, it can be very boring and you're going to get burnt out on it. Yeah, right? you don't want to feel like you're just running steps on a program. Exactly. And so like, I don't want to be that, that same TV show where I'm going to different places, but I'm asking the same fucking questions. Yeah, dude. It's, and, it, and it's like, yeah, it's cool when I get a response. It's like, yes, I'm here. But it's like, <laughs> it's exhilarating. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, when I come back and I'm doing my post-production and every, it's just like. You feel like you've done that episode. Before. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And like, I don't want that to be the future. We're self-taught. We're self-funded. We're limited to what we can actually do. So we've kind of done our area. Now we're going to have to venture far out, which just means more money for, for what, right? Like, like I don't feel comfortable driving 16, 20 hours away, paying $1,000 to go somewhere and ask the same questions to hopefully get the same answers. But percentage-wise, probably not going to happen, right? Because we've done that. We've been to places where we drove six, eight hours and nothing happened. So the way that we're going to start doing stuff now, because yeah, we'd already filmed for season two. Season two is Locked been done. Loaded. It's just... I need to get my button gear and start putting this stuff together, but I have a baby on the way, so things are slowed down. But season three, we have a story we're going to tell. And instead of it being like eight episodes and each episode is a new place, like your typical, you know, televised network TV show, it's going to be eight episodes focused on this one particular place because it's so rich in history and so much crap is going on there. And we've already been there and we've captured so much stuff, groundbreaking stuff, right? <laughs> like groundbreaking stuff. People have gone oh here God, for dude. years and, and have not figured out what this thing is. And we did. And we, we had did. the most craziest experience that we've ever had. I, I had an experience that doesn't make any goddamn sense at all. That sounds amazing because I don't think any of these shows put that amount of time into anything. Exactly. You get your half hour to an hour long episode and then they move on to the next to the next state, but what you, the next but, country. Yeah. But exactly. what you don't realize is that and, and we know because because we're in it, right? Yeah. Is we go to these places that you see on TV and we talk to the people that run the places and they're like, yeah, it looks like they were here for a day. But realistically, they, they were, were here for a week. That means they have to be wearing the same clothes, go to the same area at a certain time to make it look like it's all in succession, but it's actually not. 
So in a way, it's like they're not faking stuff. They're warping the timeline of when things occur. They have a team that goes in and does their B-roll, meets with people and, and sets up interviews and stuff like that. And then you have the team that goes in and they do the investigation. And it's like they get a couple of cool things, but they don't get the big bang. So they stay there for three or four more days. And then when they get that big bang, they're like, okay, this is our episode. We don't have that because it's just us and we're funding it. If we go somewhere 10 hours away and we don't capture anything, That's we don't it. really have the yeah. ability That's to like it. throw that away because we invested so much time and money into it. Yep. So, so what I've learned throughout the years is if we're able to put out this stuff and have this outlet, then, then cool, right? It's a video diary that we can look back on. Really what it boils down to is it's for us. So I don't need to go to these places to get the same content to get to these people. I'm doing it for us. I want to get answers. I want to get proof. I want to figure out what's going on. We're going down a direction that nobody else is, man. We're not doing it for the money. We're doing it for for the, the answers. answers. To continue to do it like this, it's just, it's pointless. Yeah, it's like you were saying earlier. You, you can't just go there for a week and expect to experience everything a place has to offer. Maybe just getting a tip Scratching of the iceberg. The yeah, I don't think people realize how lucky they are when they go somewhere for a day. More often than, than not, we're not. You know what I mean? And that's the problem. And so that's why we want to go down this different direction of really telling a story. Not of these huge places that everybody knows, but like... The unknown places. The unknown yeah. places. The stuff, the stuff that's really rich. I can't t- talk too much about that place but my story is so ludicrous about that place it like i don't i feel so funny telling it because it's i, I feel like it's so a crazy it person to you yeah i feel like a crazy person crazy doesn't exist for me anymore uh, yeah exactly like because it's all subjective experience it's like it, it 100% you, subjective no experience what. and it's a 100% subjective takeaway from it this place in particular that we went to this year literally destroyed whatever i thought coincidence was coincidence doesn't exist to me anymore next time on the hometown horrors podcast i look at bullard and i'm like bro what about that thing you were talking about he's like you want to do that thing? I was like, I want to do that thing. Aliens and ghosts kind of uh, exist on the same plane. Ghosts are an expression of consciousness and aliens are consciousness. And I feel like somehow, some way, shape or form, they coexist on the same plane. I picked a bad time to stop drinking. Hell yeah. Dude, fuck yeah. A- I just want to say that now, Dan Aykroyd, if you hear this, your vodka's great. No, don't lie, bro. He didn't want to do it because he was scared. Well, what is consciousness? Um, Yeah, they're awakening a door in you. And it's not uncommon to go to a place that's haunted to have some stories of aliens. Now those were some frightfully fun stories. Howdy, everybody. It's me, your host, Danny. And I wanted to let you in on something special. You might have noticed that when I introduce the show, I say we are the Hometown Horrors Podcast. That's because there will always be at least three people in each episode. Me, the person who wants to hear a good story, the guest, the teller of a good story, and you, the listener, that takes that story and carries it with you out into the world. And we make up a special kind of trinity. We are the Hometown Horrors Podcast. And if you ever want to graduate from listener to guest, reach out to us via our handle on Instagram, hometown underscore whores underscore podcast. Our email is the hometown whores podcast, no spaces, at gmail.com or via text or phone call at 571-358-8880, which FYI is not my personal number, but give it a ring. I'll get back to you because if there's anything I've learned from doing the podcast is that everybody has a story and that story deserves to be heard. On your number one source for the most spine tingling, gut-wrenching, insomnia-inducing stories around the Hometown Horrors Podcast.